another week, another week, another pound. Uh, are we all are we all fit and healthy? We all survived the storm. It's a good day to be a wind farmer, isn't it? I actually saw an article um, earlier in the week. I think it was in Wales where a wind turbine had blown down by the first storm earlier in the week called Dudley. And I thought only in Wales, they had one job of a wind turbine and it blew, it blew over in the wind. Um, but there we go. There we go. Mike, how are you? I'm okay. I think the wind turbine's gone the same way as my uh, recycling bags. They went MIA on uh, on Wednesday. I was hoping they'd have been blown back today, but still no sign of them. Uh, well, I got a little joke just to start you guys off. For, so. yeah, what, what is the what is the wind's favourite colour? Blue. Blue. Well then, good. Anyway, this is the But What Do We Know uh, podcast. It's our third week. Thank you for all of our listeners so far for uh, listening and um, coming in with starting to get some comments and some feedback and uh, a few questions. Um, so. Um, just remember, this is this is a podcast for you guys as well. So more than happy to talk about any subjects that you want us to talk about, sports related. Um, you can get in touch via Instagram. You can get in touch via Twitter. Mike will tell you how to follow us on Twitter shortly. But if you do want to email as well about anything, uh, our email address is but what do we know at mail.com. That's but what do we know at mail.com. Mike, what's our Twitter page? Well, funny enough, but what 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 do you what do we know? <laughs> it's already taken on Twitter, so I've had to I've had to go a little. So so I was there for about twenty minutes trying to find the Twitter handle first, but I ended up with at bwdwkpod. What's that stand for? But what do we know? Pod. Uh. <laughs> so that's at bwdwkpod. <laughs> Uppercase, lowercase. Oh. Don't think it matters, is it? I don't think it matters, but if it does, the BW DWK is uppercase, <laughs> and it's capital P for the pod. So it's only the old dealer's lowercase at the end of that. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. Well, if, if we have no tweets now, clearly that's the reason why. No, nothing to do with the fact we. Yeah, no one listens to us. We might, we might have to buy the Twitter handle off of whoever's <laughs> got one for what do we know. No, no, I'm not spending money on this podcast, though. Uh, all right, well, it's, uh, it's good to be back. It's good to be... I think I think the term is podding. Um, it could be casting. <laughs> it could be podcasting. <laughs> Who knows? But uh, today, guys, we're gonna, uh, we've are gonna got quite a packed show, so we're going to be talking about... The greatest sportsman. Now, I know we did this a couple of weeks ago, but the reason why we're going back to it is because we have had a few of our listeners get in touch with um, a few nominees, uh, people that we didn't mention, even though, Mike, you had more honourable mentions than, you know, um, an NFL squad. Um, I think it'll be worthwhile just having a look and seeing what our listeners have suggested. There's some, some interesting names in there, which I would can see where they're coming from. I'll be honest, there's some names in there which uh, I don't necessarily agree with, but I'll put it to you guys. Um, we'll have a little chat about the breaking news in the rugby world this week, certainly in the Northern Hemisphere, which is that the Six Nations, um, I'll say were, because it's changed in the last 24 hours, I believe, but it looked like earlier this week the Six Nations were going to oust Italy um, uh, in favour of South Africa from 2025. And it's 
kicked up a little bit of uh, uproar. Um, so we'll have a little chat about that. But as I say, I think they've now come out today and backtracked and said it's never going to happen. Um, so we'll, we'll have a little talk about that. We'll review the Wales-Scotland game from the weekend. Um, Wales finally uh, notched up a win in the Six Nations. Um, a a, a much-needed win. Um, so we'll have a little chat about that. We'll preview next weekend's game. We'll have a little chat about the Winter Olympics, the Super Bowl, of course, um, and um, we'll have a prediction for the uh, Amir Khan and Kelbrook fight um, coming up this weekend as well. So, um, yeah, so a pretty packed show, guys. So let, let's get straight into it. Uh, so a couple of the nominations that we've had for uh, the greatest sportsmen. So I won't go into necessarily the honourable mentions that we had two weeks ago. Gaz, you came out with Usain Bolt. Mike, you came with Jason Kenny. I came with Tom Brady. So, first of all, we have a listener from Barry who has got in touch um, and he has suggested that John Charles um, should be in the conversation for the greatest sportsman ever. So, um, I'm going to come to you, Mike, on that one, uh, first of all. Um, and ask you what your thoughts are on John Charles uh, being named in the conversation for the greatest sportsman ever. I think he's got to be a name in with the in with the mix, so to speak. Um, I think we did mention that we never selected a single footballer in our. Yeah, that's um, right. And I think with football, it's very difficult to say the greatest ever because of the different times that they were playing in. I can understand the merits for John Charles. Can you say um, that in any sport, though? Possibly except snooker, because it's just a cue on a table. Um, no, but even it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, OK. But then you can uh, say that about golf, couldn't you? It's just a... You could. It's a hole and a... And a stick. And a... <laughs> We've just alienated a whole portion of people now. Nice one, Gareth. That was Gareth who said that, not Mike. What about swimming? It's just a, a water and... Some armbands. <laughs> never, never seen Michael Phelps in some armbands, but there we go. Um, so, sorry, Mike, go on. Can, can I get back to the point? <laughs> so, from, from, from the little I know of him... Um, because he was before my time. I know I'm older than you, older than you two. Um, he was a giant of Welsh football. Um, in fact, look, I was lucky enough to meet him once when I worked in a hotel many years ago. There was an some he was being interviewed. Yeah, he, he must have been a giant if you met him. Yeah, he if you um, met him of all people. He must have been a giant. He uh, he was he was doing an interview in a hotel I worked in, and I had to take him up to the uh, room where the interview was being held in. So. As a, a small little claim to fame on there. Um, I think he's he's in with the mix. But is he the greatest? Jury's still out for me. Yeah. How are you, Gaz? Well, I mean, if we're talking about one of the greatest Welsh footballers of all time, then it's an almost certain that, that he is in the conversation along with Bale. Because they've both taken us to major competitions. Um, but as for being one of the greatest sportsmen of all time, you wouldn't, nah, not for me. 
he's not even in my mind, to be honest. So, um, an interesting thing about John Charles, or, or in fact, is that he was never yellow carded um, or red carded uh, during his entire career. Um, don't know if you guys knew that. Um, he represented the Welsh national team for over 15 years, from 1950 to 1965, alongside his brother Mel Charles, who was also a member of the Welsh squad, um, and they, they played at the 1958 FIFA World Cup. Um, and of course, Wales lost uh, or got knocked out of that World Cup 1-0 to Brazil, Pele scoring the winner. Um, haven't had any calls for Pele yet as the greatest sportsman ever. Um, for its 50th anniversary in 2004, UEFA asked each of its then 52 member associations to nominate one player as the single most outstanding player of the period 1954 to 2003. And Charles was chosen as the golden player of Wales by its national association, so not overall, but, but of Wales by the National Association in November 2003. So as all Welshmen, it is great to have John Charles suggested as a, as a, a yeah, you know, in the mix. Now, we haven't got a, a defined criteria, maybe we should do, when it comes to sportsmen. I know a couple of weeks ago we talked about legacy and we talked about impact and maybe changing the sport. Role model for me, and I'll come on to that when I uh, mention a couple of others in a moment. But, yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's a, certainly an honourable mention, but I, I personally wouldn't say that's the greatest sportsman ever. But, you know, may you rest in peace and uh, what a great footballer and a great, great Welshman, John Charles. Um, so another uh, mention that we had was um, was Tiger Woods. So again, I don't. I know we just insulted the, the game of golf a couple of minutes ago. <laughs> um, I don't know much about golf. I'll, I'll be honest. Apart from you know Barry Island as a as a great crazy golf course, um, it's good value as well if you ever get a chance to go down. Um, don't know much about Tiger Woods. Again, I'll put it to you guys. Gaz, I'll come to you first this time. Tiger Woods, what are your thoughts? Um, well, I'm not really a golf fan, as like as like, I've just shown a, a few minutes back by calling what is actually a golf club a, a golf stick. <laughs> so um, any golf fans out there, feel free to give me some stick. It's, uh, <laughs> uh... But oh, he started already. Apparently, he's a good golfer. Like I don't really follow golf, so I can't really back him up to be one of the best sportsmen ever. Um, I know more about his off-field behaviour mm. than his on-course behaviour. <laughs> so um, you're gonna say field, Edward? You? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah um if yeah scandals yeah i, I know plenty yeah. about but and, and that's the he's thing got right a game, isn't he, so he's what he's got, he's got a game yeah he's got a video game yeah um but i don't again that, that that's more because he's i mean you can't really i mean john charles might have had a video game if video games are around in the 50s um <laughs> but um it could be. I just seen one FIFA nineteen fifty nine. Yeah, not sent off. But, um, but uh, I think 
I think what you've said there, guys, is something that I think of of Tiger Woods as well. So I'm not an avid golfer, but what I think about, um, and you know, I I, I don't want to pee off the limited amount of listeners that we have already with John Charles and Tiger Woods, but with Tiger Woods, because I think of his scandals perhaps more than his um, golf successes, and he has had a lot of golf successes. I've mm. done a little bit of research. Um, I think going back to a great sportsman, you need to be a role model for youngsters um, and for people coming up in the game. And there's no doubt that he, you know, he, he holds numerous golf records. Um, apparently, he's been the number one player in the world for the most consecutive weeks and for the greatest total number of weeks for any golfer in history. But two things for me, and Mike, sorry, I'll come to you in a moment, is the, the off the off the course antics um, in regards to being a role model which I think you know the greatest sportsman should be um, but I also I'm very much a team sports person so I think if you play a team sport um, that gives you maybe an upper hand um, it's just my opinion but I think that gives you more clout more of an upper hand when it comes to, to saying that you're the greatest sportsman because you have to influence people around you to elevate their game as well um, and I think, again, it could be my ignorance, but with golf, yes, of course, you need, you know, you need, you need to you'd be great and you need to beat your opponent. Um, but ultimately, it is just you against um, a hole. But what do I know? <laughs> what do I know? Mike, let's come to you on that. You two need to grow up is all I'm saying. <laughs> Tiger loves um, a good hole. Whoops. <laughs> so um anyway um shall we just go back to your point dan um about you prefer your sportsman <laughs> to um to sort of be in teams to motivate other people around them to get the best and everything else but I would argue differently there because surely if you're on your own with only say one or two support staff in the background um, sorry we're just is it harder (laughs) or or is it easier because then obviously you've got to motivate yourself if like you know it's on you all the time Whereas you can fall into sort of like a safety blanket when you've got team around you. Mm-hmm. So is it easier to, or is it harder to stay motivated is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It's a good point, but I don't know. I think for me, the people that I think of who are in team sports, who I would consider being up there as the greatest, they, they're not the ones who are motivated. They're the ones who are motivating. Yeah, they're the ones who are uh, leading and not being led. And I'm not saying that like individual sportsmen are led or anything like that. Um, it is a really good argument for what you're saying because you do need to be very dedicated to your craft. It's like boxers. Isn't it? Mm. You hear about Muhammad Ali. Well, you know, 
no one so far has mentioned him as the greatest sportsman, then it would certainly be an argument for him being it. He mm. didn't play a team sport, but his legacy, his inspiration, yeah. um, his work ethic, his success, his morals, you absolutely could argue that he could be up there. So yeah. it's a good argument. Um, Mike, are you, are you with us now? What are your thoughts? Well, with golf, are we still talking golf? Or have I missed the whole yeah, back well, to golf? Yeah. No, I, yeah, let's go back to golf. Let's talk about golf. Because, again, I'm not, in the, you know, certainly don't want to offend golf just, fans. I mean, no, I love playing. I love playing golf. <clears throat> so, I do find it very relaxing. And I do actually like the competition between me and me. Um, so, I do like, I am played for years, but I did used to like it. Me and Gaz used to go up to Heath Park and, and, and play golf. So, you know, it's not about having a go at golf. But for me, I just don't think there's a golf. I don't think there's a golfer who I would look at as the greatest sportsman ever. Tiger Woods or Jack Nicklaus or, or anybody. Yeah, and, and I kind of agree because if I can mention, name two sort of golf tournaments that I always watch. And that's the Masters and the Ryder Cup. And, and apart from that, I may see the results on there, uh, on on the screen, um, whilst watching um, sports news channels. Um, but apart from that, I'm not... I think, who is the greatest? It, it's quite opinion-based, depending on what your sports are relevant are. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. If, if you're to ask someone who has no interest in sort of athletics or um, running or anything like that, but has an interest in mechanics, they're going to tell you one of the greatest sports stars is someone like Valentino, Valentino Rossi or mm. Lewis Hamilton or James Hunt, Sterling Moss, you know, whereas... If you talk to some people that don't have an interest with cars, but, you know, like snooker, they're going to say, you know, Ray Reardon, uh, Stephen Hendry, Steve Davis, John Parrott, you know, Ronnie O'Sullivan. So I think it it depends on which sports that you like listening to uh, or you like watching or playing. Mm. um, Really, really does shape what your opinion of this is. so, you know, there is essentially there is no right or wrong answer, is there? It, it's it's what you it's what you believe is the greatest sportsman. Um, yeah. But, the, but at the end of the day, what do we know? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like when I said Tom Brady two weeks ago. I mean, I still stand by that. But you know, there's a lot of people, especially you know, listening to us in this country, you probably don't really follow NFL and a more you know rugby, football, F1, you know, golf you know, fans and everything. well, what's Tom Brady done for me? Oh, well, you know, I, 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 so we said a couple of weeks ago about, um, uh, we, we, we mentioned that it might be worth doing a segment on the greatest sports person and in each individual sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it's so, it's so hard to, you know, to, to nominate a sportsman across all the genres. It's like comparing apples and pears. <laughs> yes. 
it, it is like that. It is like that. Um, a couple of other mentions we've had are um, Phil Taylor, who I believe is a darts player. Um, I don't know if uh, if either of you follow darts. I think uh, I think I think you do, Mike. Don't you? A little bit. Um... Was it? Was I on target with that? You almost hit the bullseye. Just from from your, you said a little bit. Just just tell tell me or tell our listeners a little bit about Phil Taylor if they don't know know anything about him. Dominated that. Well, there's two different the Dutch championships. There's is there the the BDC and there's another one and like the BDO. Yeah. And I don't really know what which one is what and who does what. I think one pays more money than the other one because I know that Raymond Van Barneveld went from one to the other, um, <laughs> and and Phil the Power Taylor had dominated the sport for many years. Um, apart from that, Jim Bowen commentates, I think. <laughs> yeah. So Phil Taylor, um, just quickly had a had a little. Uh... Google. Um, so he has won 70 PDC Pro Tour events, which was a record until Michael Van Guren passed this in 2019. He held the world number one ranking for 13 years in a row. Um, yeah, and he is in the Hall of Fame for, for darts and uh, basically dominated darts for two decades, won 214 professional tournaments, including a record 85 major titles and a record 16 world championships. So even if you don't know much about darts, to accomplish that in any sport is, uh, is certainly a feat. So um... I do know Ali, Ali Pali is supposed to be a really good couple of days <laughs> away. Maybe we could, should broaden our podcast horizons and, and go on a darts weekend. <laughs> I don't think you get much sense of us out of us if we did that, but then maybe you, you don't, don't get, get much sense, sense out, out of us, us so. anyway. So you yeah. know. <laughs> um, Gareth's already booking the tickets. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think the tickets are one hundred and forty pounds, aren't they? I thought it was one hundred and eighty for the VIP ones. Anyway, um, Gaz, talk to me about Sunny Bill Williams. That's another mention that we had. Um, any thoughts on Sunny Bill Williams being uh, being being thrown out there? The greatest sportsman ever. Mm. It's not I mean, to... that I agree with personally. Um, again, it's like it's a bit similar to the to the John Charles thing. It's like is you know is Sunny Bill Williams the best rugby player ever? Don't know, is he? I don't think he is. But what do I know? But um, he is a good crossover athlete. He's obviously had a he's had a fairly successful career in rugby league as well as rugby union. Um, and he's and he's uh, done a bit of boxing as well. So he's so obviously wait, wait. likes a new challenge. Hmm. 
he's a bit of a fighter. So, so for our listeners who um, might not know what you mean there by crossover athlete, you're you're talking about an athlete who has gone to a couple of different sports. Yeah, he's tried his hand at a few sports, um, which is quite ironic for a boxer, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, so you yeah. Use your hands like. It'd be more um, ironic if he was a poker player. But, uh, <laughs> trying his hand, um, and then. Um, and then the final suggestion is Michael Jordan. Now, I mentioned this as an honourable mention a couple of weeks ago because, not to contradict what I just said, but if you're talking about a greatest sportsman, it needs to be someone who's, even if you don't really follow basketball, you've heard of him um, and you're aware of the legacy. And um, and and a bit maybe a bit biased because I grew up in America when the Chicago Bulls were at the heyday. And for me, the guy, I mean, the, I mean, you just have to look at all his accolades and the influence he's had on the game. He, tr- he changed almost, I not say he changed the sporting world because that would be a bit over the top, but he certainly changed the way basketball. He, he made basketball international. And that is, you know, an amazing feat. You know, basketball or the NBA, if you like, was very, you know, domesticated in regards to it was America, and it was a different time as well. You didn't have social media and, and the internet and stuff. But when Michael Jordan came along, you know, in the late eighties, and then you had like the Dream Team and the uh, Olympics in Barcelona in nineteen ninety two. I mean, he transcended the NBA and the game of basketball, and his accomplishments with the Bulls. Um, you know, just for me, just, yeah, I think, again, so many accolades we wouldn't have time to go through. Um, but, yeah, just just a, an absolute global cultural icon and an unbelievable athlete. So for me, I mean, he's up there with Tom Brady for me as the greatest sportsman ever. Um, so I don't know what your thoughts are, lads. Is he the one who's got the logo? What do you mean a logo? He he isn't the NBA logo. That's logo actually Jerry is, West. He's, is is he not the logo on the um, on, the, on the sports brands that I'm yeah. not sure if we're going to mention on the pod- podcast because they won't pay us any money. Well, uh, never know. We're going we're to hold them to ransom until they pay us money. We're not going to mention yeah. the Jordan brand, but yeah, funny enough, he is the representative of the Jordan brand. Surprisingly, that's my basketball knowledge gone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, you're into basketball. Talk to me about Michael Jordan. Well, on the first show, I think it was when, like, we, when you mentioned Tom Brady as your greatest sportsman. Um, I was actually thinking at the time. I was sort of thinking, personally, is Brady the best sportsman in the U.S. sports? Is it not Jordan? Because of like the legacy and like obviously being known pretty much around the world, and mm. and and how and how like the NBA, how the NBA and basketball grew from the late eighties to what it is now, like a massive part of that is down to Michael Jordan. I don't remember you mentioning him on an episode one. 
I, I did as an honourable mention. No, Dan mentioned him. No, no, but you, Jeff, why did you put him as your greatest sportsman? Eh? I didn't, no. No, no, but why not? <laughs> because I don't consider him to be one of the greatest. I mean, I mean, unfortunately, I, I you know, I see, I, 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 I could have named off, of, you know, about ten other honourable mentions, but you know, he's not Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I took everyone's honourable mentions for. Yeah, <laughs> the podcast is only an hour long. <laughs> it, might be, it might be longer tonight. We'll have to go into extra time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe. Sorry, just so. Just... But listen, I, I generally thanks. It means a lot for people to actually contribute and uh, send us the honourable mentions. Um, really appreciate it. And I think keep the bottom line is, yeah, keep them coming. And the bottom line is that you, you can't really. I think it is nigh on impossible to name the greatest sports person ever. I think you need to, um, out, out of courtesy to sport in general, you need to appreciate that you know every sport is different and requires. You know its own skills unique skills and attributes and it would be maybe perhaps um, in hindsight a better debate to focus on one sport and maybe then talk about the three you know or have a poll about the three or five greatest people in that sport um and and sort of have a debate about that because you could do that again with football you could do that with rugby you could talk about the greatest player of the decade or the greatest player of the generation um because going back to sort of John Charles, if you were to look at, you know, the greatest footballer, or even if you were to look at the greatest footballer in sort of from the 1950s to, I don't know, the 1970s, it wouldn't just be John Charles, whose name would probably, you know, would win hands down. People would be checking in Pele in there. They'd be checking in George Best. So I think, um, yeah, again, out of courtesy to sport, it's good to have the debate. But I think if we learn one lesson on, on, uh, on but what do we know? It's that you can't probably um, just just label um, a greatest sportsman ever because there's just too much that goes into it. And you don't want to say you don't want to um, you don't want to ostracise people for playing sports that don't aren't really a team element. So, like, say golf or um, darts or snooker, etc. Because, like Gaz's point earlier, you know, it, it does require a lot of will, a lot of resilience, a lot of motivation to be able to just keep yourself top of the game um, without having sort of a teammate to do that for you. But then at the same time, to be like the leader on a team and basically carry a team perhaps to success holds just as much weight so it's an interesting debate and we'll probably will revisit it again um but i think it's also you know for future podcasts be worth i say doing a segment on the greatest rugby player greatest football player etc so but thanks guys for your, your your contributions and your comments and and keep them coming um right moving on then so um mike talk to so the winter olympics obviously trending at the moment it's a massive sporting event uh, going on uh i don't really follow the winter olympics i don't know know much about it um so can you just tell tell me um and gaz and, and maybe our listeners who don't really know much about the winter olympics about um i'm not gonna say what is it but you know what's what what's 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 the news what's going on in that 
So, <clears throat> actually, today's today's been quite a good day for Great Britain. Um, we've got the women's curling team. So that's like balls on ice for people that don't know what it is. Um, <laughs> with sweeping brushes. Um, they've actually qualified to the final, so they're going to get at least a silver medal. Um, and the men's team have also qualified for the final, so they're going to get at least a silver medal. So Great Britain are going to get at least two medals. Um, we've not, we're, we're not normally very good at the skiing ones. Um, I think 13th place was our best um, at this Olympics, which is, a, I think that's a bit disappointing because the skier Dave Ryden, Dave Rylin, I think he won a World Cup race just before the Olympics as well. Um, and I think he thought he was going to be um, slightly higher placed. I think he, he placed like ninth or something last Olympics um, and he thought he was going to be in with a medal shout. We're normally quite good at like the what I class as the X Games type versions of the winter sports, like the um, the snowboard half pipes and the the ski jumping, not ski jump, the classic ski jumping, but they they do the ski half pipe things and they go down like uh, it's basically like a skate park, but for skis or for snowboards, and they do tricks off of them. And I think we've had a few finalists um, in there, but none of them have have got anywhere near meddling. Um, doesn't snow in Britain, so how, how can how can Britain generate the greatest sportsman? At, no, seriously, but how 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 can Britain have success at the Winter Olympics when all we get is rain? If they had a, a you know, I don't know, Fun, a, funny a, enough, a, a pedal dodge, dodge competition, maybe Britain would win. But snow wise, unless they're Scottish, and they could be, um, or they they live at you know in Northern England. You know, I don't. No wonder we're not very good at skiing. Well, the speed skaters apparently they some of them go and train in Norway because Norway's facilities for speed skating is a because it, it, it snows there. Yeah, and I, I, you know, so they don't. They it's just like it's just like tennis, though, isn't it? Like like Andy Murray, he went to, he went and trained in Spain for his formative years, um, and that's what happens. Um, they they go to sort of. France and Austria and yeah, but that, that that's different, surely. I mean, Andy Murray went there just because the, the weather's nicer, and he'd rather do it there. I mean, he could have. No, I think it's because he broke away. He wants. He, he wasn't happy with the way the, the development of the LTA was, and he thought he'd get better development there. I think was okay, but it's not. But, it's not. It's not because he was unhappy with like the surface or or the, the you know. It's, it's not like Britain didn't have the tennis facilities. They, I'm sure they had that in a way. It's just uh, to your point. Maybe you thought you'd have better coaching if you went abroad. But what I'm saying is, and you know, what do I know? But if he, if if it's if if it's not snowing in Britain, it's it's going to put you at a bit of a setback. You can't go skiing every day, just like um, you know, someone from Russia or one of these northern European countries or Canada or whatever, where literally the snows for six seven months of the year and every day you can just go out in your backyard and practice that's always going to put you at a disadvantage so in my opinion jamaica what, what, had their first downhill skier as well <laughs> he was i think he was born in london though the dj uh, I, money yeah and he come last he was a dj no, as well he, no he didn't come last because a third of the field didn't complete it so 
in all credit to him, at least he got down the course because I don't think I would have got down that course. Well, not in one piece anyway. I don't need to make sure the uh, I need to make sure my holiday insurance was up to date. Uh... Can I ask the question? Like, I've been dying to ask you about what Winter Olympic sports that you guys would take because you know what sports they are. Go on, Dan. What Winter Olympic sport would you do? Uh, I, I'm pretty good with a brush. Okay. If you ask my wife, I'm pretty good with a sweeping brush. I think I'd be quite good at curling. Um, I'd love to. I'd love to play ice hockey. I cannot ice skate, and it, and and for someone who grew up in the um, northeastern United States, when I tell people I can't ice skate, they're always like, "What? You can't ice skate?" Um, but I can't. <laughs> and uh, you know. So I'd love to, and I'd, so I'd love to play ice hockey as well. Um, so that would probably be my sport, even more than curling, to be honest, would be ice hockey. Um, yeah, what about you, guys? Curling, 100%, but also that um, snowboard cross actually looked quite fun. I so, don't know so, if you've seen that. So yeah. Gaz used to go skiing. Mike, I know, I was you know just, this. Yeah, yeah, I do. I remember down, down Fairwater, you used to go skiing. Yeah. And you yeah. went to Milton Keynes, didn't you? Went to, I think it was Tamworth. It was so much easier there on actual snow than... Well, that's my point. In Fairwater, bloody ski slope. It's, it's just astrodrome there. It's so much easier on actual snow. That's my point about ski. I think Britain's always going to be a disadvantage when it comes to skiing. Lack of um, facilities, yeah. Yeah, but then... I suppose we, we're always quite successful at the curling, but you don't necessarily need snow for that, do you? You just need a brush and uh, and, and, and and some ice. <laughs> I don't know. But um, what about you, Mike? Answer your own question. Well, I, I don't know what it is. I quite like the... Uh, is it the skeleton bob where they go on the tray <laughs> face first on the, the ice thing? I said, I'd be, I, no, I'd be, I'd be really good because... <laughs> Because I'm carrying a bit of weight, so I'd get down there quicker, <laughs> wouldn't I? I'm not sure if I could oh. lay flat. I'm not sure if I could lay flat. They might have to cut a hole out in the middle of it for my belly to fit in. But it'd probably end up scraping. It'd end up scraping along the ice, or then. I, I, so, so I don't know. I'd end up slowing myself down. But no, no, Lou. I, I think the one of them or, or the bobsleigh, because at least like you're inside something. So when it does tip over, I've got a little bit of protection. <laughs> So, what, what what was the controversy this week when they went to Olympics? There's some Russian uh, girl. Uh, what, what what was she up to? Careful, because I don't want to end up on a Russian list anywhere. <laughs> no, I know, I know, I don't know. Putin's yeah. going to be after you. <laughs> Careful. You had a name drop, didn't you? <laughs> Careful, I don't want to be poisoned or whatever. We could this podcast could be big in Russia, for we know. <laughs> To be honest, until tonight, I thought it was only us three listening to it over and over again. I think after tonight, it will only be us three listening to it again and again. <laughs> well, all of our Russian listeners are going to give up on us now, aren't they? Let's be honest. Uh, yeah. And the golf Perhaps. fans. <laughs> and maybe the darts fans. And anyone who's went to Olympic fans. <laughs> Apart from that, we're, we're doing all right. So we'll try and salvage it when we talk about the rugby. Um, 
Maybe I'll uh, delete the inbox before I get, we get started. I don't know. I don't know. But um, yeah. So what, what what was the controversy then? At the risk of being being poisoned. Do you want to take a gap? I'll take it. Um, well, a fifteen-year-old. I think she was a figure skater. She's yeah. tested positive for for some banned substances, and. She's claiming that it was her granddad's medicines or something that's popped up in her blood system or whatever. That's um, it's not it's not like the Russians to dope, is it? Nah, that's another thing they can blame Ukraine for, I'm sure. But, um... on a on a on a somewhat trying to get us away from this dangerous topic. <laughs> Do you think 15 is too young for someone to be competing in the Olympic Games? Because I thought this yeah. at the Summer Olympics as well. I think they should be put a minimum age in of possibly 18. Because um, anything yeah. under the age of 18, you can say, I'm a child, I didn't know X, mm. Y and Z. But once you're 18, you're you're legally an adult then. I, I do. I think that's, um, like you say, in, in, a, in a serious subject. Um, I think... I think it is. Um, I think it is too young. I think the mental health and well-being of these athletes, of these children, um, is put under enormous pressure um, when they, you know, when they have to be in competitions and have expectations, Olympic sized. Ignore the pun, but Olympic sized expectations at that age. And I think back to to your point, Mike, about the Summer Olympics and. There was an American athlete called Simone Biles, um, yeah. but she had to uh, quit the Olympics halfway through because it was just too much for her from a mental health um, standpoint. And we're seeing a lot of athletes, um, you know, certainly over the last couple of years, talk about their mental health and take pauses because of their mental health, which is brilliant, by the way. Um, but I, I guess it's just further testament to your point that I, I personally think 15 is too young. It's not not too young to participate in tournaments or sports. Uh, of course not. But Olympic events um, on the national spotlight, I think is too young. Gaz? Um, I tend to disagree only because I think there's certain sports which would struggle, like gymnastics, generally from what I've seen is that the competitors seem to start really young and then obviously they sort of peak and then they sort of seem to I think most of them seem to give up by the time they're like early to mid 20s even you know and that's Mm. quite a short career really when you compare it to other sports so I think I think it all depends on the event if you see in situations like this, this this Russian girl who's only fifteen, mm. um, I don't know much about it, but I, I I saw how upset she was and distraught. She I don't was. blame her at all for this at all. I no. I blame her coaches and her support team. Yeah, but but yeah, they should know better. But to Mike's point, she was found with a banned substance in her bloodstream. This is a 15-year-old child. If, you know, she was a regular 15-year-old child, like, you know, um, I say out on the streets, but, you know, 
drinking or taking drugs and things like that, then you know social services would be concerned about that because yeah. you know how young she is. So why is it acceptable? Because she's just because she's an athlete, you know, to be to be put in that environment where she is susceptible or open or vulnerable to that. So I think it's a really good question, Mike. And, you know, yeah, it's the whole point. We can have different opinions. But for me, I think it's too young. I, I agree. I, I, well, I made the point. I think it should be 18. I mean, not, I mean, for me, like, the, we're not professional athletes. We never claim to be professional wait, athletes. Wait, wait a minute. Speak for yourself now, boy. <laughs> I'm not a professional athlete. A minute ago, you were bobbing for apples or bobbing for snow or skeleton bob or whatever you say. <laughs> bobbing for bones. So, so, so we, so for me, it's difficult to say that I that I understand the mindset of a professional athlete. I mean, we've played in the loosest form of the word football together in a in a team. Um, and I still remember sometimes the pressure of when you miss when you miss a goal, which happened quite a bit for me. Um, and it's just you guys that I've got the, the, the that are there that sort of four of you. I mean, I can't imagine. Ah, no, pressure. what are you on about? No one I can't used imagine. To give you pressure. No, but you, you know what? Pressure. No one used to shout at you, Mike. What are you on about? Except you, Dan. <laughs> oh no, I was the one shouting most of the time. Um, but I just think the pressure of someone that young being on. A stage so big is it, it, it's not you, something goes wrong I don't think at that age you've got the coping mechanisms to to deal with it I agree I agree but what but, do I know? yeah it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great point it's a great point um, and I generally hope that she gets all the support and she does come back because like I say like I said a minute ago they lack a lot of resilience uh, I'm sure she's had setbacks already and come back from it. Um, but, you know, being or failing or being kicked out of the Olympics, whatever happened to her, is massive for her career at 15 only. You know, her career now could go one or two ways. She could come back and hopefully she does, you know, fighting and, get, you know, goes again. And that's what resilience is all about. Or she could, you know, end up going back to Russia and being a, I, I, I don't know. So um, <laughs> I won't finish that sentence. Um, but, you know, my, I'll, I'll take my hat off to her in a way, because um, I don't think she, I don't think at that age as well. She can. I'm not saying she can't be held responsible, but uh, that if she was 20, if she was 25 instead of 15, I'd be saying, well, she's an idiot for taking a banned substance. She knew what she was getting into. But I think to what you were saying, guys, she's got all these people around her and things like that. She probably didn't choose to do it on her own accord. Mm. She was probably coerced to do it or influenced to do it so i do think as well is that the ioc they they shouldn't have allowed her to compete in the second competition after she'd failed i think they should have quietly just let her just go away from the public eye and the media attention because she competed in like the second event and she didn't really do anything apparently from mm. what i've been told and 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 yeah her coaches apparently have given her some shit for it you know so mm. yeah that's been the first one to say a word <laughs> a bad word on our podcast 
yeah, we yes, three weeks in, we'll have to put parental advisory explicit content warning on this episode of the podcast. Yeah, um, first round next week, mate. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think so. In fact, I'm gonna yellow card, yellow that, card, that, yeah. <laughs> um, right, guys, let's move on because we've got loads to cover. Um, we've got about 20 minutes left, so um. Let's talk about the Six Nations. Um, let's quickly just cover off the news this week because um, I'm curious to know what you guys think about the Six Nations. Uh, I know I said at the start, it seems now that the the statement from the Six Nation organisers is that Italy isn't going anywhere. Um, but, you know, what what are your thoughts on... Just forget a minute where it's going to happen or not. What are your thoughts on South Africa joining and Italy being kicked out? Is it good? Is it bad? Does it not make any difference at all? Uh, Gaz, I'll come to you. Right. Well, when I seen the article yesterday, I I absolutely hated the idea because professional sport is all about money, isn't it? So, so I can see the commercial sense in having South Africa in the Six Nations. And it would make the competition more competitive. But at the same time, like, I think I, I think I read an article that South Africa wanted a team in the Six Nations and a team in the Rugby Championship. I mean, I'm sorry, but you, you can't have the best of both. Mm. You know, that's sort of, that is so beneficial for South African rugby and nobody mm. else. Mm. Um, and like, obviously, I've been a big critic of Italy that the last few years, because they haven't won, I think it's 34 games now. Since yeah, something like that. I think it was 2015 when, it, when they last won a game. Something like that, I want to. So, um, but yes, the youth teams are improving, slowly but surely, that the last few years. The under twenties have started to to get a few good results. Beat England six 0 on the weekend, didn't they? Absolutely, great win. But um, but yeah, like I'm I'm hoping it doesn't happen, and I'm hoping it stays as it is. And the ideal scenario would be it's unlikely, but I would like to see some sort of promotion and relegation. To give the other sides in, in Europe a chance because the Six Nations should be a, a Northern Hemisphere competition, in my view. But what do I know? On to you guys, Mike. So, guy, <clears throat> you you almost stole my thunder then because I've been banging this drum. He knows what I'm going to say, and Dan knows what I'm going to say because I've been banging this drum for about the last four years. Every Six Nations down the pub. And it's such a simple idea that I don't know why no one's doing it. So, phase one of the idea is the winner of the, as I'm going to call the second tier of the Northern Hemisphere trophy. I, I can't quite remember what it's called. Let's call it the Georgia trophy because Georgia <laughs> because they norm, win. normally win it. So they should have a playoff with the losing team in the Six Nations. And that mm-hmm. game decides who plays in the Six Nations. So... Because I don't think there's much difference the last few years between the Georgia and the Italian team. I think I read somewhere they've done a comparison and 
if Georgia were there instead of Italy, they would still be getting the same results. But at least there is all still the opportunity for one of the other club teams, countries to get into the Six Nations because sport shouldn't have a glass ceiling. It shouldn't be, you're not one of these, you shouldn't get in there. Gas, stop pulling that face. Now, on my, I know everything's commercial money. I also think that the winner of the Six Nations should play the winner of the Southern Hemisphere trophy mm. every year. Now that should be played similar to Judgment Day as a double header at a neutral venue where the teams get some of the money, but at least 50% of the money goes to an emerging across the emerging nations to build up their grassroots level of mm. rugby. And from there, we can start having a better depth of international rugby squads. Yeah. Yeah, I love that idea. Um, and, and it wouldn't happen. I mean, for me, the the pros of um, a relegation um, playoff, if you like, for the Six Nations outweigh the cons. Yeah, I think um, if you've got Georgia, Portugal, Romania, Netherlands, I think they're the ones, the four that are competing in it this year. Um, the whole point of the IRB um, is to, you know, get rugby to be more popular. And the only way you're going to do that is if more countries are doing are playing it and getting better at it. You're not going to get that by ousting Italy and demoting them. And get you know, and them not getting better and better. Now, I know the argument was, oh yeah, but they're not getting better and better. They haven't won since 2015. But I think if you going to South Africa, like Gaz said, it's just a money ploy scheme, and it completely, I think, sends world rugby backwards because, like I say, you're not to your point then, Mike, about the grassroots game. I think if you were going to oust it for anybody. And it's about roughly the same plane ride for fans, because you've got to think of that as well. Mm. You know, the whole point of the Six Nations is for the fans as well. You can go to London in a couple of hours if you if you live in Cardiff. <clears throat> you can go to Edinburgh, you know, um, overnight, you know, but it, it doesn't take that long to travel. You know, you're going to be pretty refreshed the next day. You're not going to have jet lag. The furthest you go is Rome, and that's only a two-hour flight. So the point is that it's, you've got to take that into consideration. It's the fans, and like any sport, it's the fans that make it. And without the fans, it's not it's not worthwhile doing. But if you're going to oust Italy for anybody, for me, it would be Japan. Because mm. you want to get Asia on board. You, If you're going to talk about grassroots rugby and popularising the game, you want more Asian countries to start taking it up. Because there's still a lot of work to do in Europe. But there's even more work to do in, in, in Asia. Probably the, the continent that plays the sport the least, apart from Japan. You know, Africa, we've got South Africa, and to a point, you know, Namibia Nibib- Nibib- play. Um, <laughs> and then Europe, obviously, got Italy, Georgia. Again, I know that some of them are minnows, but they still play the game. But I think there's definitely um, there's definitely opportunity for the game to, to um, kick off more, ignore the pun, in, in Asia. So if you're going to oust Italy for anybody, for me, it'd be Japan. But I think they just keep it the same. Here's another Italy. idea. Why not a rugby version of a European Championship? Because all we've got is a World Cup. Well, I did talk about this week. They were talking about a... Um, I don't know if you saw this, Gaz, but 
I can't remember what it's called, but they were, they were talking about a new tournament I saw on Wales Online, yeah. where I think it was going to be a 10-team tournament every two years. Mm-hmm. So, I this. Yeah, so it's basically so, so, the Six Nations and the four... Uh, rugby Championship. Yeah, so it's a bit of a closed shop again, really, isn't yeah. it? No, no, I'm, I'm on. See, I'm on about you know, just because there's who, however many other teams play. I know Russia. I don't know if they've still got a, a rugby team. Spain had a rugby team. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, Georgia. They, they still do. Yeah, they still do. Um, but, but yeah. I'm just trying to think: would we get enough to do some kind of championship the, the focus would need yeah. to be more on that than than putting all your eggs in one basket mm. and getting so if south africa got into six nations yeah it, it'd be great from a competitive point of view um but i think for the actual sport of rugby and its future i think it'd be a terrible idea and to gaz's point as well if south africa were allowed to participate in both the rugby championship and the Six Nations, and that's unfair as well. And that would just be, you know, I, there's a there's a phrase, absence makes the heart go fonder. Um, and I think if you're you know, the beauty again of the Six Nations is that it's only once a year. And if you're a South African fan, as much as I love rugby and as much as I love sport, you know, the off season and you know the the months building up to tournaments is what makes it so more exciting then when it comes. I mean, I've been looking forward to the Six Nations for months and months and months. If we had that twice a year, which if South Africa played in the Rugby Championship and the Six Nations, essentially that's what it would be. It, it wouldn't be as, you know, I don't. I personally don't think it would be as amazing feeling when you win a tournament if you play the tournament more. You yeah. know, it'd be like if we had the World Cup every year, winning the World Cup, wouldn't be such a big deal because you could just say, well, we didn't win it this time, but it's next year. But the fact it's every four years makes it special. And for fans, it gives them utter euphoria if they win or utter you know, rejection and despair, yeah, if they lose. But that's why we love sport. Are we all in agreement that we think it's a bad idea? I think yeah. so. Yeah. Oof, steady on. I know. We better move on because um, I don't like it when we're all agreeing. Um, Wales, Scotland, guys, much needed win. Just quickly, I mean, that was an amazing win. Did Wales play good or did Scotland play bad, Mike? Um, I think Wales played better. I know they didn't lose a line out. I think the scrum was more solid. They got into Finn Russell's face and they got him off the pitch for 10 minutes, which is exactly what I said they needed to do. Um, I, I could see more of a game plan. I think Liam Williams' is, uh, his 50-22 was very lucky. It was like when I used to get away with handballs in football. It was the exact same face he pulled. Um, but yeah, I um, yeah. overall, I think there was a performance, not just a result there. <laughs> Which, of course, you mentioned two weeks ago was more, oh, more yeah, important than I, the Six Nations. So. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Can, can I just um, mention before coming to you, Gaz, though, that I think... The um, the performance was a good Welsh performance. I think the defence was much better, much more solid. We forced Scotland to play a game they didn't want to play. And to your point, Mike, we didn't lose a line-out, which for Wales was really impressive. 
can I just be a bit negative and just say I don't know what the hell Dan Bigger was thinking going for a drop goal? Yes, we won, so no one's really talking about it. But if we had lost that game, what a terrible decision for him to make. I'm sorry. But for a captain, and I know I defended Dan Bigger last week, and I, I'm a big Dan Bigger fan, right? So, Dan, if you're listening to this, which I'm sure you are, why wouldn't you be? Um, but if you are listening to this, Dan, you know, big fan of you. But I just don't get that decision. Because we had the advantage. If we didn't have the advantage, I'd understand it a bit more. But we had the advantage. The worst that's going to happen is going to get three points anyway. But we got 15 men. Yeah, we got the. They got 14. Why not go for the try and really put them away there when you're in the 70th minute? I did not. I was screaming at the TV. I messaged both of you at the time. I do not get that decision. But but what do I know? Gaz, what are your thoughts on the game? Like before Gaza jumps in, can I go on record to apologise? As what well, I was totally wrong about Alex Cuthbert. I think he had a really <laughs> strong game, and and it's not often that I that I say I've got something wrong, but I I genuinely thought he had a very good game. He did, he did, and I and I would be tempted to start him against England, but so would I. We'll so we'll, we'll we'll come back to that. Gaz, Wales better. Scotland not good. Did Wales deserve to win? Wales were better than the week before, but then they couldn't really get much worse, could, could they? Let's True. be honest. Um, I do feel Scotland probably did bottle it a bit. I mm. think, I don't know, maybe it's a mentality thing. Maybe the fact that they haven't won in Cardiff for, I think, 20 years now. I think that's probably playing on their minds a bit. Mm. Um we didn't really see much of Scotland's attacking play, really. Um, it, it, is that because of Wales, though? Um, it could be. I mean, it, it could but, have been because our defence was very good. Our so, forwards were on top. Oh. Yeah, and um, I, and I, and we pushed them back quite a bit, which is which is you know, such a um, it's a great feat. But from a momentum point. If, a morale point of view as well. If you're trying to go forward, like Scotland's case, and you're getting pushed back, uh, you know it. It is really going to defeat you, and that's why I said a minute ago about we forced them to play a game they didn't want to, and they, we forced them to kick more to try and get territory because they just couldn't break us down. So I think the defence was much better. Um, sorry, you're taking over a little bit, but I just going back to what you were saying. Yeah, you know. Um... The forwards were on top, like the 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 front five were so dominant, um, which which is a massive improvement from the island game because the 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 front five really did struggle out in Dublin, whereas this week or last week they um they really did turn up. Um, I think they must have had a bit of a row in training during the week because you know I think a lot I think a lot of those players prides would have been dented Mm. by what happened out in Dublin so I Mm. think they had to get a reaction yeah and um, and yeah I I do think Scotland did probably bottle it a bit though as well Mm. well the the test will be obviously England next weekend um, quick thoughts on that one, but next week's show will be pretty much dominated by England and Wales. We'll have a little look at um, 
some classic England Wales encounters of years gone by, and we'll talk about tactics and what Wales need to do to win. But um, just just quickly on that one, um, is there any changes from the team, the Wales team that played Scotland, that you'd bring in for um, for the England game, Mike? I was pretty, I was pretty happy with the. Um, the first 15 that were out there. Um, I would probably keep the same team. Gaz? I'd keep the forwards the exact same. Mm. I'd keep the halfbacks the same. Um, I think the only player who I'd drop is Owen Watkin. Mm-hmm. I, know, I know I'd drop him for Jonathan Davis because I think his experience away at Twickenham is going to be invaluable. Um, yeah. I think Louis Rees-Samit should start. I I know I know that he's not having the best situation so far. but He's not had the ball to do anything with. Not really, no. Um, but I would start him because obviously he, he plays in England. He, he is going to be up for this. And he is that player who's capable of doing something out of nothing. I don't know. Dan's just taking a big embrace. He's a match of it. He's. I I think. Um, sorry, but I think it's time to drop Louis Samet. Um, I think have him on the bench and bring him on for the last twenty minutes. But I think um, Cuthbert, England, you need to be physical. Um, Cuthbert can can do that, and I can't believe I'm saying that after what we said <laughs> last week. <laughs> uh, but I think um, I think Cuthbert uh, can can be is a better defender. Louis Samet. Has always had problems with defence, and that was that was testified, I guess, by the uh, Darcy Graham touchdown, where Louis Samet just sort of powder puff tackled him, and all he had to do was push him in a touch. And I don't know what he was thinking, but um, yeah, you can say he hasn't got the more football much, but uh, I don't know. I mean, Alex Cuthbert nearly scored two tries, and he didn't have the ball much last week. He was inches away, you know, from just grounding it or just being out of touch. Um, so I think you drop Louis. I think you have Cuthbert. I think you have Adams, and I think you have Jonathan Davis in the centre. Um, I think you keep Tompkins. I think if Hallahold was fit, you then bring him out on instead of Owen Watkin. Yeah, that is if, if Hallahold was fit. Um, but I think you start Jonathan Davis for the exact reason that you said, Gaz. I think you know he has that veteran experience. Um, when he came on against Scotland, the defence changed even or got even better. Because I think Owen Watkins is still a bit nervous about, you know, making a mistake, especially on defence. So maybe it doesn't blitz or maybe doesn't sort of get up in Finn Russell's, you know, in that game as an example, or but uh, in, in the attacker's face. So I think against England, yeah, I would start Jonathan Davis. Um, like I say, I'd start Cuthbert, I'd start Josh Adams. So we'll see, because the next time we do a podcast, of course, Pivak would have, would have named as 15 to face England. But... Um, but that's it for me in regards to, to the... But yeah, next week's show will be heavily dominated by England-Wales. The the biggest game, I guess, probably in the, in the annual Wales rugby calendar. Um, yeah, so we'll uh, we'll see on that one. Um, I can't wait to get this weekend out of the way in a way, so we can start really looking forward to that one. Um, all right, guys, so um, we're pretty much uh, done. We'll just have a couple more things just to quickly recap on the Super Bowl. 
wasn't a classic. Um, it was a good game, though. I think we all predicted, actually, I say we all did. Me and Gaz predicted the Rams would win. <laughs> we said the pass rush would be too much. It was Aaron Donald took over that game. It took him a while, but in the second half, he completely dominated it. Um, it was a good game. Um, I think the Bengals uh, will come back. It's not as easy as just striking again next year due to trades and free agency, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I don't think the Rams will repeat. I don't think they're that good. Um, so I think next year again there'll be a new winner of the Super Bowl. But um, but yeah, I, I don't know if you guys got any uh, thoughts on the on the Super Bowl. Anything you want to share? I think you've nailed everything on the head there, pretty much. The Rams started off a bit negative in the first half, but then second half, they 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 were just able to get to Joe Burrow and put and so put him under pressure, and then it, and then the class actually showed in the second half, you know. Mm. But I mean, the, the the Bengals can hold their heads up high. Yeah, it's been a yeah, good season definitely. for them. I, I'm yeah, just I mean, glad. They, they... That, I was gonna say, I'm just glad that it didn't. Uh... That it went down to the last couple of minutes of the of the fourth quarter because I think kept it, 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 it can get a bit boring if it's a blowout Super Bowl. And I also want to thank you, Gat, because you left some sweets at my house um, that are now they've now been eaten. <laughs> uh, good stuff. And then just finally, guys, <laughs> I don't know what I nearly said then. So um, big fight this weekend. Uh, so Amir Khan and Kel Brook. Um, they had to be separated uh, early on um, as the things looked like they were going to boil over in the uh, final weigh-in. Um, who is uh, who do you want and who do you think will win on this one? Mike? Um, I don't really know much about boxing. I know who, these, I know these, <laughs> I know who these two people are. Um, so, so I do know a little bit about the names, um, but I really don't know. Um, I thought Amir Khan had retired, actually. <laughs> nah, boxers always retire and then come back. And, oh, yeah, but... Brooke, eighth round, KO. Oh. Shame the fight never happened four or five years ago, but hey-ho, that's boxing for you. I'm, I mean, I'm with Mike. I don't know loads about boxing, certainly this weight. Um, but I do... I'm not a fan of Amir Khan, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, I think um, from what I know, I think Carl Brook will probably win. And, uh, and yeah. Didn't you told the story celebrity, you know, I'm a celebrity once. I, uh, I can't tell you whether that's true or not. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's terrible. Anyway, so um, thank you everybody for listening to our week three podcast of but what do we know again if you've got any um if you want to get in contact please do but what do we know at mail.com um hit us up on twitter um be great to hear from you really appreciate you listening if you do give us a rating be completely honest share it if you do like it share it if you don't like it but if you don't like it you're probably not going to share it but thanks for listening um to my good friends mike gaz it's been a pleasure as always Again, next week, we'll be highly focused on England and Wales. So if you're not interested in rugby or you're not interested in uh, three Welshmen having a rant about England, then probably won't be your cup of tea. But if you are, then certainly uh, tune in because we will be reviewing some of the classic 
England Wales games of years past. So, everybody listening, thank you very much. Take care, and um, hopefully, you um, still have a fence, unlike me, uh, due to Eunice. But there we go. Cheers, everybody. Good night. Julio. Oh, that was good. <laughs>